guys, welcome back to another THP Strength podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about Isaiah's potential, I guess, debatably greatest achievement as a professional dunker. Debatably, I guess you could say. I, I think it is. Maybe in the, in the world, one of the greatest achievements. We're going to talk about testing a 50-inch vertical leap, over 50 inches in the vertical leap. Testing protocols, how we did it, some of the differences, and why we're counting this as, I guess, the world record, you could say, even though it's maybe not a Guinness World Record, an unofficial world record, highest recorded vertical of all time. So our beloved co-host, Isaiah Rivera, I guess, you know, you you did it. Congratulations on testing the official first 50. So I guess the first thing is give us like a, a full update on how you felt you did this past week at Dunk Camp, which was more to those of you listening, that was last week. We just got back on Monday. So how do you feel you did? How do you feel your dunking went, your jumping, et cetera? All right. Um, I feel like I was at 90%, 95% of my max like potential. Um, I was really, really happy with how I tested. Uh, I got a 50.5 officially. Uh, the reason I say it is I feel like I was at like 95% of my potential, specifically on the testing day, is two weeks prior, I had a session where I felt infinitely better. Um, and then right after that session, I actually got sick with the flu. So two weeks out from dunk camp, I got sick with the flu, uh, still trained through like that sickness. Was uh, that Miami? Was that? So that was in Miami or Florida or something? Miami and Jersey. Miami and Jersey. Um, I had I had the flu. Um, and I remember I remember when I got the flu, I was like, well, that sucks. I'm not going to test 50 anymore at, at camp. Uh, but I was able to train a week out from dunk camp. Um, that's when I, like, recovered. And then I had two lifts that went really, really well. And it kind of gave me confidence. It was when I squatted 405 again with, like, really good bar speed. Um, that made me confident for dunk camp. And then... Uh, coming into dunk camp, I had the 50-inch the vertical test. Uh, but I think if I hadn't gotten the flu, um, I might have been able to squeeze out uh, maybe like half an inch to an inch more of vertical. Um, but overall, really happy with how that went. Uh, then the day after the – so that was Monday, tested uh, 50.5. Tuesday, I, I think that's when I played basketball. Um, I think they were running like I saw I saw a couple of the guys uh, playing 1v1 and then I was like, oh, can I join in? And it was like really lighthearted that turned into like full on king of the court. Uh, a bunch of guys were coming in and I think I tried like dunking on, on Dallin and stuff and like my intensity was going up. Andy sees me uh, dunking or well, attempting to dunk and then he's like, hey, can you do a couple jumps for body armor? And then I was like, oh, I don't really feel like it. And then he's like, oh, it'll be quick. And I was like, screw it. I'll do a couple jumps. Um, I did, I think it was like four jumps that were horrible. Like I was so sore uh, after that, after the 50 inch test. And then my TFL flared up and I was like, oh God, like, like I thought, I, I thought I was done for, like, I thought I was going to go into the dunk show and just be really bad. Um, but then the net, but then I did slow strength probably like a two hours after that. Uh, slow strength felt really good. Used 225 on the bar. Wednesday of the camp, completely off, just did ISOs. Then Thursday was the dunk show, uh, which was probably – actually, I don't think probably. I think it was my highest jumping day ever uh, based on on flight times. Um, I had a .972 on the 50.5-inch vertical uh, test, and then I had a .978 flight time on my high check where I landed, like, super high. I think I was in a higher landing position than on the Vertec. Uh, so, yeah, I think – on the day, I could have tested probably 51 or 51.5, uh, the day of the dunk show. And then during the dunk show, I honestly was not aware of, like, everybody else dunking. Um, but a few guys came to me after the dunk show, and they were like, oh, like, you carried, like, so hard, blah, blah. And then Billy, as he was editing, texted me, and he was like, oh, you were, like, you were jumping way higher than everybody, and, like, the dunks you were hitting were on another level. And then I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I didn't even I didn't even realize. And in my head, this might sound crazy, but in my head, I felt like I sucked. Like I, I was 
like I was like looking back and I was like, okay, 360 under both. That was made on the fourth try. That easily could have been made first try. 360 East Bay off the glass. Terrible pass. I could have hit that. Um, and then what was the other dunk? 360 East Bay over Austin was like top top rim. And like that that could have been made. So I was just thinking like in terms of like consistency, like I could have made more dunks. Um and that can always be improved, of course. But in terms of purely jump height, very satisfied with uh, how I did. And at the end of the day, that's all we do at THP. That's like our main focus of the training is just getting me to jump high. Uh, the dunks not being as consistent, I don't really care about because going into this, I was just playing basketball like once a week. I was not practicing for dunk consistency or dunk shows and stuff like that. Uh but yeah that's basically how how dunk camp went and all another win is i i left relatively healthy like i think i finished the dunk show healthier than i have been the previous four dunk camp uh summers that i've had uh which is which is a win as well yeah i think you know you obviously summed it up in your perspective my perspective was like wtf i saw you come in and like i think it was like, okay, we've talked about this before. We've been in this position before. You're ready to test 50. You're ready to test 50 and uh, 48. Okay, or 47. Okay, you're ready to test 50. You're ready to test yeah, 47 and a half. And it's like, okay, is this even possible coming into it? And then looking at your flight times and stuff, I was like, this should be doable. Like, he is on another level. And I think like some of the 9.9 nine or 9.10 and a half, I don't know which sessions. You had one 9.9 session with Billy and then a 9.10 and a half and then a 10-foot like height check or something. And I was like looking at the cluster and I was like, his cluster right now is unbelievable. Like your one hander was 0.996 or 0.993 or something, um, which is a light rim grab, but still insane. And then your windmill as well, like all of the across the board, looking at, you know, one hander to one hander flight times, height check to height check flight times, um, you know, windmill to windmill flight times. I was like, okay, I don't give a shit about the rim height based on his landing configuration. You know what I mean? And how, you know, he, his head is relative to different rim heights. Um, you know, I'm like, he should be about good to go with this 50. And I think even going in, I was like, Isaiah, like, don't, don't shoot for 50. Shoot for anything better than what you currently have. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I always tell my athletes, that I'm like, don't shoot for some crazy wild PR. Just get anyone as a win. You know what I mean? Tying your best is great. That's like amazing, right? Anything better than that is like the best ever. So don't shoot for these unrealistic, crazy expectations. Just go for a one centimeter, you know, PR, you know, a, a half inch PR, whatever it is. And then when I was watching you warm up, like, so that's me, that's you leading up. Then I see the 405 squat, which is on the TSP, I think strength page. And yeah. you just freaking blast. It was like a spaceship. I was like, wow, that looks so easy. And then <laughs> obviously you got sick and we were kind of bummed. I was like, shit. We'll see how this goes. And then when you were warming up, I was just like, you know, like seeing you do the vertex warming up. And I saw you do your first jump and touch like 11.6. I was like, was it 11.6 or 11.3? It was, I think it was 11.3 was like the first jump that, that you saw. So seeing you tie my best ever with like the lowest effort jump I've probably ever seen you do. It looked <laughs> like it was like a baby warm up jump. And it was just like touch the top of the the square, you know what I mean, height. And I was like, this is going to be ridiculous. So I see you like pick the vertex to even preface this. I see you pick the vertex and I'm like, oh, he really picked the most vertical one, which I'm kind of happy about because the leaning one we would have had to measure. But like this one's vertical, so I don't really feel the need to do that. Do you know what I mean? So I see you pick the most vertical vertex. There's three of them for those of you listening. So he picks the one that's like, I don't even know. It looks like someone's leaning backwards. It's so high. And I'm like, okay, good. At least we know it's like legit, legit. We're going like, we're, we're doing it right. We're not going to fudge this. And so you go up there. I see that. I see this warm up jumps. I'm like, oh shit, this is probably going to happen. And even before that, having like roomed with you, I was like, okay, he's not sleeping well. He's super amped. Like that's probably oh, yeah. going to drop. Performance. I didn't even explain how I was feeling right before it either. <laughs> yeah, was, like So the night before, of me testing 50 i got i think it was like three and a half hours um is, is the amount of sleep i got john literally told me in the morning he just was just hearing me like i was just shifting all all the entire night like on the bed and just because i had so much adrenaline like coursing through my veins and then 
uh, the first day of dunk camp is all testing. So we have to literally run every camper through a vertical jump test, like RSI, all that stuff. So it's like five hours of waiting that I have to do. And then John, he's running the vertical test for all the campers. And then I take my group to John and it's the final one. Like it's like the final group uh, test they have to do. And I was just sitting there and I literally had like, I was like holding my hands like this. Like I, I felt like I was going to puke just from how much like adrenaline I had inside of me. Um, and I think it was like 30 minutes until I went and it was just the longest 30 minutes of my life. But yeah, it was by far out of any event I've ever done contest. Like, I don't know why it was just the most like nervous, like adrenaline butterflies like that I had ever felt. I just like, I was sitting next to you and you were like in a different world. And then I looked at you and said, do you want me to handle this? And then you were like, yeah, <laughs> and you just got up and left. And I was like, don't worry, like me. And I think Ethan was standing there with me, Ethan Owens. And I was like, we, we can handle this. You go warm up. And so like, we took care of the rest of that, like last little bit of testing. And even behind you, like the, some of the pros that started in semi-pros, you know, so it was like Archie, Dom, uh, Travis, I think was dunking. Sutherland was warming up. Like all these guys are getting going and you're like still warming up, you know, or you're just starting your warm up. And so I was like kind of MIA, but just seeing the day before, even two days before, how excited you were to test, I was like, holy shit, I hope this doesn't derail his testing just because like, it's like Riley Jensen, the, the psychology guy said, he's like, when you're really nervous like that and your legs just feel like dead already, even before you do anything, you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes that can be a little bit deflating, but you like start warming up. And then I guess what was like, when you touched, 11.6 that easier, 11.3 that easily, uh, you like even up to 12, 12 feet. Were you just like, oh, this is like in the bag? So uh, about the the nervous feeling, um, Riley says like it can like lead you to having dead legs. I feel, I felt the opposite. Like the amount of like excitement, I get, he always says call it excitement, not nervousness. But I think in my case, like I didn't even have to lie to myself. It was like, it, so it did feel like nervousness, but it felt like it was just supercharging my legs. Like, I kind of just knew I was the hour right before I started testing. I just knew like I was going to be like testing well. Um, as far as the warm up, I actually rushed it. My TFL was like, like on fire while I was testing it, just because usually when I warm up for a dunk session, I'll stay at like 70 percent, probably for like around five jumps, like four to four to six jumps. I'll stay at 70 percent. Um, but I kind of just like rushed, rushed through it. So I did, I think on my third jump, I was at 11.3. And then the jump I realized I was going to PR was the next jump, which was 11, nine and a half, I believe. And I just went up like barely trying 11, nine and a half. And I think that's the first time I reacted. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is like, that was the easiest. So like, we're like, was that as high as we thought it was? Cause <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to like, look at the vertex and stuff. And like, it was just crazy. And 11, nine and a half, I've had days in the last year where I've tested and I'm like, I'm struggling to get nine. Like I'm like pushing hard to get it. Like that's usually my, I'll get 11, nine to 11, 10. And then my next jump is like 11, 11. And like, that's like the peak for the day. So I barely, I think I took, I think it was like a three-step approach. Like I took like one step, penultimate, 11, nine and a half. And then the jump after that, I went still barely trying. I was probably at like 80% effort, 90% effort at this point. And I touched 12 foot and half an inch. And that was, that was where I was like, oh baby. Like I just, I, that's when I knew I was going to PR to 12, three. Cause I, I still wasn't, I wasn't trying. Um, and also what's crazy about that jump we my 48 inch vertical we've talked about this before is possible i only got 47 on the day uh because the video the video that i posted where it's like 48 inch vertical that went really viral that we had the top at 12 foot and then the next jump which uh was my 12 one we we've looked back at the video before and it's possible it's really hard to tell but it's possible i just hit the side of the vertex yeah or like, or like you stabbed the vertex like the 12 foot one into the 12 one tab yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's possible that that's what happened. So when I did the 12 foot and half an inch, that technically might have been a PR right there, barely, barely trying. Because all the other tests I've ever done, I just get to 12. Like I get to 12 and I don't go, I don't go higher. Um, 
And then, so that was my 12 foot and half an inch. And then the 12, three, that was like, that was the, that was the craziest one to me. Cause I like destroyed it. Like it was, it was, it still didn't feel like a hundred percent effort jump. And then I got like above the tab full handed, got the 12, three. And I remember landing and like, I, I think I like looked at John as I was still in the air. And then like, I sat there and it felt so freaking easy that like, I didn't know how to react. I was just like. Boom, like I did it. I just I raised my hands up. And then John starts freaking out, like yelling, like, he got a 50, he got a fucking 50. <laughs> and like Well, yeah. I was in disbelief because I was like, there's no way that it was that easy. Like we put it, it was almost like anticlimactic. Like I when I imagine myself hitting a 50, I imagine like this like struggle. I'm vertexing for like 30 minutes straight. Like I'm like right there at 49 and a half, and I'm just trying and trying and trying. And then I saw myself crying. I literally saw myself finally getting it and like just like going onto the floor and just start crying because I've been trying to hit it for so long. But like it just went down so easy that I was like, what the hell? Like I did it. <laughs> I got well, that's, yeah, that's like when you landed. I it looked so lackadaisical and easy that like you did it. And then you landed and just looked at me and there was no reaction. And I was just like, it looked like a warm up jump. You just like touched, went up, landed, looked at me. Yeah. And I was like, that was 12, that was 12, three, that was 12, three, that was 12, three. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he uh, did it. so yeah, I was just like, yeah, just kind of just in shock about doing it. And then, then the next jump, uh, we raised the Vertec uh, up again. We put two bumper plates down and then I get the 12, three and a half. And that that jump, I was like going at 100% effort. Uh, got 12 three and a half, and then I think I bare like I barely missed the 12 four. Um, and I think Billy Billy filmed it, and like uh, it was actually a lot closer than I thought. Like I feel like I could I could have pulled out a 12 four if I kept trying. Um, but at that point, I was literally with Vertex. I don't know why I'm like this, but as soon as I get one miss, like. I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Like, I, it was just so much energy, like, spent into it. And, like, and I had gotten the 50, so it was almost like I just felt like, like, I just, there was no motivation to try to keep going higher. Like, that's what my goal was, was was 50. And I was just like, whatever. Um, and then right after that, I went, attempted to have a dunk session. <laughs> I just did not care. I did not care about anything at that point. I was like, I'm achieving my goal. I can die in peace. I can <laughs> I literally told John, I was like, I could tear an ACL right now and just be fine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. like, like, I could tear my ACL, take a year and a half to recover, but, like, I have a 50. Like, I still did it. I don't care. <laughs> That's a good point. You're, like, one of very few people on the entire plane to ever do that. I just walk away happy. Die happy man in the sport. Um, and I think, like, what makes it so special is that it was definitely earned. It wasn't something that was – like, you had to bust your ass – for so long to get that 50 not saying that people don't bust their ass training but like we've thought you were gonna get it so many times like out like a full year 12 months worth. this is it right after like you touched 12 feet at uh ricky's place on that vertex we were like okay you're definitely gonna get it and then two years ago we did it at that like but that was like three years ago something like that yeah three three and a half years ago is when i tested a 47 right and then we're like okay so now we go to this Florida one, you touch 12 officially, no question about it. We're like, okay, we think you touched 12 one or whatever. We're like hype shit. You know what I mean? Then we come to dunk camp next the following year. Well, it's COVID I think. And then it's yeah. the phone dunk camp. So it's like a full two years later. We're like, this is it. We've been training so hard. Like you've busted your ass in California here. You're definitely going to do it. And then it was like struggling to get 12. And then you finally get 12, like not trying. We're like, okay, cool. But we're like, fuck it. That kind of sucks. Pardon my language. Screw it. So then we, we're like, oh, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's do it again, right? Train a full another year. You get injury, like TFL, you're back. You like build up your deadlift, build up your squat. And we're like, you know, is a 50 even possible? <laughs> we literally had conversations where I, I was telling John, I think this was a few months ago, but I was just like, I don't even know if it's possible anymore. Like I, I specifically told John that I'm trying to think, I think you just asked me if it was possible you're like because like, we were we were trying to decide what i was training for like what was my goals like my training objectives and stuff like that and i i basically told them i don't care about i'm still training obviously but vert, tr trying to get my vertical up isn't something i'm worrying about anymore just because i was i was just i literally was just like is it i don't even know if it's possible like for me to, to hit a 50. 
team so like leading up to 2021. And so it was like, if we didn't do it then, how can we do any better? <laughs> like, yeah. like we, we felt like we exhausted all of our options at that point, like me coaching for four years, you training five to six days a week, every week for four years, like I said. So it was like, I don't know if this is worth it. And it, it, maybe it just happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you have a great day or whatever. But like pretty much for just, all right, can that goal. Let's do behind the back. Sorry, is it between behind or behind between? I was getting uh, 360 behind the back between the legs. Okay, I, think so, the, I think the goal was kamikaze. I think that's what we changed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then you did that. <laughs> and it was like, okay, now I just do it on higher heights. Like, that's pretty much where we were. Because that was, what, nine, nine and a half or nine, nine or something? Yeah. That. So then, and you hit both of those dunks. You hit behind 360, behind between and then you hit Kamikaze on the same day, and I was like, okay, at this point, you're jumping stupidly high. There was no plan D load, and you still hit both of those on your way to, like, Vegas or something like that. I don't even know where you were going. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a three-hour drive, and I was like, let me hit Billy up for a session. <laughs> TT's like, what? Was TT with you for that? Uh, she was with me, yeah. Was like, she was like, why? And you're like, because. <laughs> I, I literally felt it. I was, like, on the drive. I was like, I think I can do it today. I feel it in my balls. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you did. And so, like, kind of backtracking, yeah, we were like, oh, this isn't really possible. And then, you know, we had this little period because we went back and looked through, for those of you listening, we looked through basically everything, right? Like, we did a deep dive of everything. And I kind of deduced, Isaiah and I both deduced, like, it wasn't just because the last two or two months, right? Isaiah's just been PR and PR and PR and PR and weightlifting, right? And so we're like, oh, the key is just like, yes, yeah, that's why, yeah, like, but then it was like, actually, like a year ago, almost seven to eight months ago, he was jumping almost the same flight times or very close to the same flight times in like September, October. And we're like, you no, can't this was, uh, December, December, I was December. jumping really close to as high as I am now. So yeah, it was like post dunk camp to December, there was like a four or five month, maybe even six months of training, right? Where we just like, I mean, he just freaking balls to the wall, busted his ass, just went as hard as he could for those six months. Then he had some TFO injuries because of super long dunk sessions. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, we get back into like where he's good to go, maybe April after we went to Atlanta. And then was like, okay, we have like two to three months. Let's just like push up these weight room numbers as far as possible. And I remember asking you, I was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to get fancy or do you just want to like beat a dead horse and risk it. Like we tried this before, we've done it before, maybe has, maybe hasn't worked. Do you just want to keep doing this? You're like, well, let's just keep doing it. Like, and I think, part of it, yeah, I think it was the strength goals, like you were saying, cause I'll ask you on so that they can hear, but it's like, okay, now what, what are your next goals? And you're like, so my goals now um, are, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, I'm, I might Vertec test in the future, but it's not a goal of mine anymore. Uh, to keep pushing that up just because I don't like I've hit the 50. Um, you sound like I, everyone that jumps high ever when they hit a 50, they're like, why don't you train and try to go higher? And they're like, why would I? And now I realize I'm now realizing that the fear is that you won't jump higher. That's why no one tries to go higher because yeah. there's a fear that you won't go higher. <laughs> so it's just easier to not train and accept like where you're at instead of like being confronted with the fact that you might never even get back to that again. Like, I think that's more or less the fear of it. Yeah. But my goal, my jumping goal is to get a legit 240 frames per second, one second flight time. Uh, just because I think the the 50 was a, or my high check at camp was my best flight time ever. That was 0.978. There was also the one-hander with the rim grab where I was 0.993. Uh, but obviously, the rim grab affects it a little bit. But no rim grab, 0.978 is the highest I've gotten, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like, because to get a one second, like, how high does your vertical have to be? Um, I forgot what the – I think it would have to be, like, three inches higher, I want to say, to get to a one second. Yeah, so it would be like a 53-inch like jump probably. <laughs> but um, – yeah, uh, but yeah, I want to get a legit one second flight time on a high check. And then aside from that, my main goals are is just like like in the weight room. Um, I want to get a 440 back squat because that's 200 kilos, a 500 pound deadlift and a 315 power clean. 
not too dissimilar than the goals that you had before. Like when we gave up on the 50, you had the same goals. <laughs> you were like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. Same goals, right? Four, 440, 500, and, and 315 power like, I think. Well, I think it, it used to be 400 squat, 500 deadlift, 315 power clean, but my squat just, <laughs> just skyrocketed. <laughs> so that, I guess, now being a goal, I mean, I definitely think it obviously – helps your vertical you know what i mean it's not like they're dissimilar they're gonna they're gonna help each other but and i've had conversations with them like do you want to get fancy do you just want to keep you know blowing these numbers up and he's like oh i just want to like hit these personal goals for like you've told me like oh, i just want to hit these goals first and then we can get fancy after that and by fancy i mean like start adding in some creative loading like whether it's some creative stuff in the weight room maybe doing some different stuff with plyos which we did have in the last year but you have to ask yourself like what's the uh latent effect of those right like how long does it take before your latent abilities kick in because of those adaptations like it might take months before you start to see the benefits of that stuff that's like when i was doing a lot of the eccentric work someone was like oh don't you feel like this might like blow you up or something like that and i'm like yeah it's possible at the time i was doing it for injury prevention right but like in terms of performance yeah it might take months to actualize some of the stuff that you that you do in the weight room because it takes a long time to recover from some of those those modalities um especially to, to explain too uh because a, a lot of the listeners might not know what we're talking about from i think it was from september to december at the end of december that that's when i was jumping basically the same high i am now uh like i, I probably could have tested 50 in december from Sep- september to december i did very like intense high variety highly specific work like i was doing uh I was doing bounding, I was doing EMOMs, I was doing uh, upright sprinting, like really like long sprints, like 80 to 100 meter sprints. Um, I was doing snatches, just a lot of high variety stuff. And then also just getting really freaking strong in the weight room on top of that. Um, and that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And leading up to that, I was jumping really high. Then I got hurt for probably a month and we were just doing load management. So what John is saying is I might be seeing the latent effects of that training even this far into into the year. Um, and I think we've had a lot of guys, uh, we've said this before, we've had pro guys work with us. They do the training and then they hop off the training and then like a month later, two months later, three months later, they're having like their freakiest jump days ever. And even, even THP guys, THP guys will do our training, be like, oh, it's not working, hop off. And then like two weeks later, they're dumping their highest ever. And it was like, you're literally just recovering from us killing you. <laughs> yeah, I should probably build in like more deloads and, and time off, but I don't think people are paying for me to not train them. So that's why it's like, like, what am I going to do? Be like, take off this whole month. You just pay me a hundred dollars for me to tell you to do nothing. <laughs> There's one cycle. There's one cycle where, where you, uh, you're like, take the week off. Yeah, there is one, there's one week of one cycle where I say to take the week off, but that's it. Like maybe there might be two and it's like after like six months of intense training and every time it comes up to that, people are always like, oh, really? Do I have to take off? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but, and sometimes they're not even jumping better after that week. It's like we put them on an adjusted load management schedule because they, you know, need to actualize more jumping or whatever else. And then like they jump really high. That's kind of where I'm at right now, like pushing for two, three months. And then it's like, okay, now I can actualize a lot of that vertical, assuming I don't get hurt, which is a big if. And, uh, you know, letting that kind of actualize in, in my performances. So, yeah, looking back at, at all of it, you know, I think people are going to ask the question, like, well, how did you do it? We didn't change anything. Like, we pretty much did exactly what we've been doing for three and a half or three, yeah, three and a half years, I would say, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like, it was like one day we're like, this is what we're going to change. It was like, all right, keep the goal, the goal. You know, goals. <laughs> one thing that changed is I got healthy enough to push harder in the weight room. It's, it's basically I got healthy enough to to do the workouts fully instead of like kind of like taking certain things out and, and doing that type of thing. I think the other thing, actually, the, the second thing is the upper body, which we, we haven't really talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Shout out Christian Williams, Archery Strong. I called you yesterday, didn't answer me. If you're listening to this, I'm going to guilt you for it um, on live television, not live television, on our post-recording podcast. Um, so I 
basically one of my best friends from college. He has the same job as me, but he works with shoulders. And you guys have probably seen this post about this, but it's archery strong. And Isaiah had shoulder issues. And I was like, look, I can do a little bit. I can't do a lot. And so I was like, my buddy Christian, like this is his specialty. He's the only person I would like look to for these issues. So Isaiah like hits up Christian. This is probably, what, when was this? Literally exactly a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Like right after, right after I got married, yeah, a year ago. So he hits up Christian. Christian has like a full service offering, basically the equivalent to our full service offering, but for shoulders, he works with mostly archers. But I was like, hey, you're gonna get a dunking athlete. So he gets a, this is like his first basketball dunking athlete, and Isaiah was having issues from behind the backs, like in, I guess that's what in internal rotation. Rotation. So he works with him, gets his shoulder healthy. We're not gonna go through the full process just because like that's what you pay Christian for um and then Isaiah is doing these like upper body workouts what twice a week so it was Tuesday Thursday yeah yeah so the the actual getting my shoulders healthy lasted from July up until like mid-October November around there I want to say uh so that that entire period was just like boring like uh, like like banded like like this type of thing and did external rotation yeah and then and then going into and then november hits around december around there chris i i get shoulders healthy enough to train fully and then christian was like what do you want to do and i was just like i want to get strong just just keep just literally just beat me up like in the in the weight room just get me strong yeah and so you do that christian gives you all these like crazy circuits and i'd seen some of them like for example today he did like dumbbell snatches and and armors carries for time right and i've seen christian's workouts because i've done christian's workouts with him and they're hard as hell and they're always like it's always like up to you the workouts it has like a crossfit vibe to it in the sense that it's like as many rounds as possible which is an amrap or it'll be like you know four time how many like this is the workout do it as fast as you can you know what's what's your pr as far as time and so isaiah is like doing this as austin gets on it we have another athlete sebastian ohata gets on it couple other guys get on it. Archie's looking to do it. You know, Archie Padley, who tested a 46 and a half, 46 in his vertical. And so, you know, Isaiah's doing these workouts and we're like, you know, he tested this 50.5 and we're looking back. It's like, what? We did add that. <laughs> and, and I, we, we haven't mentioned this either, but I've, in a year, I've gained 12 pounds. So oh, I've been. What do you weigh right now? I'm at, I, I fluctuate between 183 and 185. 71? And I was, yeah, exactly. Your, I was like 171. I was looking at my, uh, my, uh, my fitness pal. I was like 171. I remember that because when we were at the Los Altos house, the infamous, you and I weighed and we were like close to the same weight. And it was weird because I was like, oh, you weigh as much as the house as possible. And I was like, because I was fat and you had no body fat, even though you were on a strict cereal diet. <laughs> <laughs> I also think like when we moved, we weren't, it was like eating out once a day. Like that was like our whole meal. Yes. Like, cereal, eat out once a day. That was all we did. So you lost a lot of weight during that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that could have played a role as well. I mean, it's kind of speculation, but you know, when you're at the very, that's not something I would traditionally recommend for obvious reasons, but when you're at a 48 and a half and you want to get to a 50, Hey, some of this experimental stuff, it's like the sticky note. It wasn't on purpose. You know, it was just for dunking and it ended up helping. Who knows? Some of the farmer's carries may have helped with stability, like lateral stability, which helped Isaiah translate some of that horizontal momentum vertically. Maybe it was like some of the the impact of his arm swing and, you know, the check at the bottom, you know, when all the blood feels like it's rushing to the tips of your fingers. So it's it's hard to say. But I do think that that probably played a little bit of a role. It'd be interesting to get Christian on a podcast. We should probably do that and be like, so what was what were you thinking? <laughs> it would be a good podcast. Yeah. Uh, so that is, I guess, you know, a lot of what I wanted to cover. I can't think of really. Is there too much else that we need? There's to actually uh, one thing that I, I want to talk about. Uh, one more thing. And during that, during the night where I couldn't sleep, I just had one saying playing over and over and over and over in my head. And it was the haze in the barn. And John's voice, I just kept hearing John's voice in my head, the haze in the barn. And it's like torture. <laughs> and it's crazy for those of you guys, you guys that, uh, I guess, John, do you want to explain what the haze, the haze in the barn means? So when I was an intern back in my day with Mike Young in like 2014, 2015, 
we would always talk about how we train all this period of time and you build up all this fatigue and then you let the fitness shine through and let the fatigue dissipate. So Mike would always say, you're putting hay in the barn the whole year. You're putting hay in the barn, hay in the barn, hay in the barn. Two weeks out from what you need to do, you know, two weeks to 10 days, the hay's in the barn. You've already been, you've been doing all the work for months and months and months and months, putting away all the hay in the barn, right? Like, you know, the analogy of farmers and, and preparing the fields and doing whatever they need to do to grow what they, what they grow. And then again, take it all, put the hay in the barn, you're good to go. There's nothing you can do, right? The work's already done. Now you just have to trust that you, the, like you did everything perfectly and don't do anything that's gonna, that's gonna wreck you, right? Don't do anything that's gonna ruin all of your well-made plans. Don't play basketball and break your hand, Connor. Don't, you know, sprain your ankle, Austin, playing basketball. Don't uh, pull your hamstring like me a month, uh, you know, two weeks out, right? You put all that work in, just basically don't get hurt at this point. You know, you, the work's done. And so Isaiah was like, oh, do I like, you're always wondering, like, should I do this? Should I do this? Like, everyone gets, like, hypochondriac, super conscientious, like, two weeks out because they're like, oh, I should have done this, I should have done this, I should have done this. It's like, no, you've been doing whatever you've been doing, keep doing. Not, you can't do anything now. The, the, you've already built up all the fatigue. You've already built up all the adaptations. You're, you're talking about eight months, in Isaiah's case, two and a half years worth of work that's already in, right? You can't – you're not going to undo it in 12 days and you're not you're not going to derail it in 12 days either assuming you don't break your freaking femur or something stupid so it was at this point <laughs> you were like freaking out i was like hey he's in the barn dude what are you gonna do what are you gonna change there's nothing you can change the work's done at this point you just have to trust that like you did everything you could to achieve your goal and i think like i kept telling myself uh like a similar thing right it was just like the work's in right trust trust the work that you did don't trust the day or what what's going to happen is going to happen. The cards are going to fall where they're going to fall. It's like, you just have to believe that you did everything you could to achieve whatever success you're going to have on that given day. You're just increasing your chances of it happening. And to be fair, technically we didn't have that happen for two and a half years. <laughs> like maybe even more that we were, if you, if you count it biannually, we test like every six months, technically we failed like what five, six times before maybe even, seven plus times before it actually things came together for such a huge performance. And so, yeah, I think like that saying for you, it, it has to be comforting. Cause it's like, what you're I'm stressing out, I'm stressing out. I was like, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do. You're yeah. going like, to wake up. Uh, like you could do that, I guess, but that's not going to help. Yeah. So it's good that you had this like thing to recite in your head to calm you down, even though you only slept three and a half hours. Didn't really work that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was comforting too in the way that like, it was comforting me because I knew I wasn't going to sleep. It was comforting me in the way that like, it wasn't going to matter. Like you could probably, so much hay was in the barn that I probably could have slept one hour and I would have still tested, tested 50. Yeah. That's a really good point. The last thing I actually did want to talk about, because I think that there's been so much like from uh, other people about testing, right. And, and how like, Wait, does he have a? Does Dak have the highest, or does Isaiah have the highest? Yeah. So I want to explain the full thing as objectively as possible. So we don't know Dak coming. We found out like maybe a month before. Dak's a great guy, by the way, super nice guy and super talented. Literally was doing construction like two weeks until camp, and then like stopped doing construction and came out and the first day touched over 12 feet, like not even trying. We were like, what the hell? This kid's a freak. So we go in. I had heard that Dak's reach was 8-2, but then it was readjusted to 8-1. So we don't really know what it is. When I test reach, I am like the most aggressive tester of all time. I tell people to dislocate their shoulder to see how high they can touch. Like Dom was like, oh, I have a 46 and a half or 47. I think it was like 47 or whatever it was. And I was like, Dom, Gonzalez, come here. So I told Dom to reach as hard as he can on the hot tub. I'm like, no, your reach is higher than that. <laughs> I was like, because I know what my reach is. And I know what your reach is based off my reach. And I usually do that with people because... I don't want them to fudge the reach. I want them to be honest with themselves and not have a situation where you're questioning, did you actually get better or not, right? I mean, that's kind of the worst thing in the world. Imagine if Isaiah would have fudged his reach last year and said that he, you know, had whatever reach and a 52-inch vertical. Now that's near impossible to beat. So it can be deflating if you have a false time or a false, sorry, vertical in this case, where it's like, what's the point anymore, right? Like if Isaiah had a fake 50.5, you know what I mean? It'd be almost impossible to break that record. It would be very, very difficult. 
And so a lot of the time in the past, what people do is they they don't reach as hard as possible. And Isaiah and I saw this firsthand in Atlanta when you we were working with these NBA prospects at OTE. They were like, there was there was one one specific one where the basketball player went up, did his reach. He's like, oh, what vertical would that put me at? They told him his vertical. He's like, oh, let me let me do my reach again. Lowered his reach. And then did that so that he could be put at the vertical he's at. These are the type, this is the type of stuff that's going on with like NBA like reaches and, and stuff like that. So that's why when you see guys like like uh, Pat McCon, what is it? Um, is it Pat, Pat McCon? I think Pat McCon, uh, Pat McNaughton or something like that. Uh, Whatever it is. He plays for the, he played for the Bucks. I don't he remember. He played for the Bucks, yeah. And he was in the NBA dunk contest. He did the one that was like a catch and then a dunk, I think, and then NBA yeah. Sunday. And he like said he had like a 46 inch vertical or something like that. And then like you watch him dunk and you're like, there's no way. I'm like, I know what a 46 looks like because I've worked with Isaiah for years and you're taller than he is. Your wingspan is longer than he is. You're in the NBA. Like you're a, a freak specimen athlete, probably even. Well, now actually, as more time goes on, I've seen Isaiah play high level basketball players. I'm like, maybe Isaiah is that, that freaky, but especially on defense. But still, I saw it and I was like, there's just. There's no way that's right. And so guys fudge that number pretty often because they want to increase their draft lottery pick, right? Like if you say you have a 48-inch vertical or 49-inch vertical, and then people are like, well, it's only one step. And I'm like, dude, off one step, I promise Isaiah could still touch like 48 or something. He could probably still touch 12 feet on a good day, maybe higher. Who knows? Like you said, he wasn't even trying and he touched 12 and a half, 12 foot, half inch. Yeah. So, And I've seen the ring that they use. It's enough for a full penultimate stride, which is the most important thing. If you're off one foot, maybe a little different. But – for two feet, easily enough. Most people don't even use the full ring when they test. So that said, we've seen guys fudge the hell out of it whenever they do their vertical leap testing in the NBA. And football, I know strength coaches that say the same thing. They tell them to pack the shoulder because why wouldn't you? You're trying to increase your likelihood of making millions and millions of dollars where every little half inch, inch, 0.1 seconds, 0.01 seconds makes a difference. And so you're trying to, to find any edge that you can in those scenarios. And so with me, I don't really have that lens because I don't, Isaiah's not getting drafted in the NBA. I mean, maybe, but at this point he's not. So I want him to test as accurately as he possibly can and not to like call out names or anything like that, but we've looked at flight times of guys that have tested quote unquote over 50 inches. And on those Vertec jumps, looking at the, the takeoff configuration and the landing configuration, their flight times are 0.5 seconds lower in some cases. Like, I think there's a 52 inch jump out there that I think the flight time is like not even 0.9 seconds, right? Is it even 0.9 seconds, Isaiah? I think it was 0.89, might've been 0.9 flat. Yeah, and so it's like, what? How do you, how are you off by 80 milliseconds? That's huge. You heard the difference between Isaiah's, right? If he, t if he hit a second, which is 0.3, it's like three inches higher. And so it's like if Isaiah's flight time. So I tested I tested a 50.5 with a 0 0.9, 0.972 flight time. With the same landing configuration, a 52 would require like a 0 0.99, 0 0.995, like something like that. You're saying, sorry, say that again? With what? For a, for a 52, like the flight time would have to be like 0 0.99, 0 0.995. Oh, you're saying. So like a 0.99 equates to a 52 if you're landing the same way that you landed in that. And if you guys watch how Isaiah landed, both his hands are above his head and he lands like plantar flex, tippy toe to the ground. So it's like pretty, you know, uh, unbiased in a sense. Like one foot is always lower because you always have a knee up typically and your hands up. So Sutherland's always going to test lower. But for two foot to two foot jumper, like most guys don't, they land pretty much the same way when you're falling from a height that high. It's just like your body's natural way of handling those forces. And so we've double checked with the flight time. We picked the most vertical vertex that we possibly could. It wasn't leaning. We've measured the plates, which are standard height, right? Put it on the center of the plate. Not even that, even the little lip was like the edge of the vertex wasn't on the little lip of the plate. Like we're talking about, it was on the center of the plate, the highest part of the plate, right? Two plates on them. Again, most vertical vertex. Uh, you know, it's like the only thing we didn't do was measure the vertex, but you could even triply check it by looking at Austin's reach, touch and reach and, and Travis's touch and reach or run and touch. Sorry. Both of them tested roughly three inches lower than they, they ever tested two and a half to three inches lower. 
So it's like, are they jumping two and a half to three inches lower? No, they just tested on probably a leaning vertex where they didn't necessarily measure it. And so we kind of have all of these like common sense proofs to, to triply check it. And then on Isaiah's reach, I know for a fact he's not reaching it or fudging it because he keeps himself honest as shit. My reach is 7.11 and a half. And I know like that's reaching hard as hell, right? In shoes. And I've seen Isaiah do it over and over and over again, where he's elevating the rib cage, elevating the scapula. So if we were to do, and you've, you've had your reach, what's the lowest you've had your reach measured? Uh, a, so when I tested a 47, um, last dunk camp what, what did you measure your yeah or the very the very first the very very first dunk camp uh i think i was at an eight flat was my reach and weren't you at like a 7 or something like that the second the like second time you tested last year oh, last year last year i used the, the the other standards uh for reach and i think i was at 7 yeah and i was like oh you tested a 50 good job dude yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. it does touched uh well i guess it might have even been lower. It was, I know a lot of guys were really a lot lower. This year, it was like an inch. Last year, it was a little bit more. So I don't know if the standards changed, the vertex changed. Really, the only way to do it to me is a, is a tape measure, a really Jordan Kilgannon's tape measure specifically, because his is the only one that's valid. You can ask him that. He'll, he'll tell you that. Uh, he's actually, like, after, after the dunk camp show, uh, he showed me how he measures rims, and it's actually dope. He, so he plumb line. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I put the vertex on and I, I go down. And he's like, wait, wait, do this, and then he like lets slack off the thing, uh, locks the tape, so it's just hang, and he just lets it hang to see where it like, where it's like centered, and then that then he measures down from there, right from like where the shadow is basically from the from yeah. the yeah showed me that too, and it's it's good because what you have is a plumb line, and a plumb line tells you where true vertical is because gravity doesn't pull sideways, and <laughs> so unless your tape measure at the top is bent, which it you know, in this case, even then, it's going to balance out and be level. You know, it's like a it's like a true level. It basically levels itself. Yeah. That's how that's how Jordan checks it. Um, and I again, we've looked at Isaiah's over and over and over again. I've told him like reach as hard as you can. I've played with it. And so I just want to say that because a lot of people are like, oh, well, like what about this or this or this? And I'm like, look, I didn't measure the reach, and I'm not going to be the guy because it's biased if I or it looks like I'm a dickhead if I go let me look at your reach and then I look at it. Because I'm always going to say your reach is higher than what you say it is. Pretty much always. Because I don't like to fudge numbers and I always want the value to be lower. The only way to make it more accurate is if we told guys to go on the tippy toes. Like literally like a freaking tap dancer or point ballet person on their tippy toes and then reach as high as they can. On borderline a baby jump to see where they are, right? And so that's partially the reason why I like flight time, especially person to person. Because it's pretty consistent. And then if you look at the same takeoff styles and you can kind of eyeball landing configurations you get pretty damn close. And so the, the last piece that I'll add to this is that when you're testing, when your instrumentation for testing is less, when the error in the instrumentation is less than the error in the actual testing protocol, that's a huge issue, right? So like, you know, if, if the instrumentation only measures to the half inch, right? And Isaiah's, you know, in the actual protocol for the test, the error could be like, two to three inches, depending on the air, like the reach, you're basically getting like invalid data. And so unless you do the testing protocol perfectly, the numbers borderline don't even matter, right? So that's why we say the first officially, like the highest highest official reported vertical for that reason is because it's so freaking hard to measure an accurate vertical leap. The only way you could really do it is with force plates and 3D motion analysis together. And even then you're still getting indirect numbers. And so people don't really understand that. That's why, again, people are like, well, why not use the height check? And I'm like, okay, when you high jump, as an analogy, and you drop your head, you drop your head and your feet below the bar, your hips only up to eight feet. So are you saying that, and your center of mass goes under the bar. So you're saying they don't jump nearly as high, like the world, world record high jumpers don't jump as high as dunk, like professional dunkers who get their head to like 10, 10, right? So they yeah. only got their hip to eight feet. That's their highest point, right, is eight feet. Well, their displacements are still over 50 inches. So, like, you can't really use, you know. That's like, uh, we posted a video on THP Strength, and we're like, <laughs> well, like, vertical might be 56. There, It's actually not that far off. Like, my, <laughs> head, my head height is 10 inches, and if you look at all the angles, my chin is at the rim. So, I might I might be at 10-10, and 10-10 minus 6-2 is 56. <laughs> yeah, but... 
we know for a fact, Isaiah and I both know, it's the most inflated value that you can get. Like there's no other, there's no other way to get the most inflated value. And so the high jump one analogy I really like, because it's like, well, like just look at look at where their belt line is. Look at their belt line might be nine feet. Does that mean that like, you know what I mean? Even if you did that, right? And you're like, oh well, their belt line, you know, the top of like their dick basically over the bar, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, that's the peak height. You know I mean, that's it. And it's like, oh, well, no, they're bent over the bar sideways and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you're just, all you're talking about is your where your limbs are positioned. All that matters is where's your center of mass relative, right? If the center of mass goes under the bar, relative to their, their takeoff configuration, where the center of mass is, that tells you the actual displacement. And so I like to use high jump because it's easier con to conceptualize, I think, than people look at like height checks and stuff like that because they can't visualize it as well because no one tracks the center of mass in height checks and Vertec jumps, no one's doing that right now, unless you're like a P3. Even then, they don't release that data. Um, so yeah, I wanted to just say that as a, as a final word, um, you know, on the send off to this podcast, because I feel like a lot of people would ask that question, and now we can just tell people, go watch the podcast, we talk about all the testing protocols. So I still think that we have the highest jumper in the world on THP, which I'm, I'm proud to say for you, Isaiah, and myself, I think it's like a pretty cool accomplishment for us. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything else. Isaiah, do you have anything else to add? Uh, just show up, man. That's the most important thing. <laughs> just show up. Just show up every day. Don't ever stop training. And yeah, just take it one day at a time, and eventually, big things will happen. The way I like to say it is just train so hard that you can't. No, that's not the right way. I would say. Train as hard as you can while still being able to train the following day. That's like, and and train every day or as much as you can. Yep. And that's a pretty good um, Yep. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode. As always, if you want to get coached by myself or Isaiah, which we can objectively say is the best vertical jump training in the world now, <laughs> uh, go to thpstrength.com. We have two options there. We have full service and training only. Full service is a more in-depth coaching experience where we get on calls with our athletes and we have a chat. Training only is you give us information with a survey and we fill out what we think is the best training cycles according to the information that you give us. So we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.